0: Hi, everyone. I'm Ankush. I'm the founder at eventable.com, the world's first platform for event reviews. And you're listening to the Building Awesome Events podcast. Our guest today is the irrepressible and unputdownable uh, Jonathan Kazarian, the CEO and co founder at Axel Events. Welcome, Jonathan.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely, Jonathan. It's such a pleasure. We've been speaking mostly with event marketers you know, over the last few episodes that we've been recording. And I thought this might be a really great opportunity to really hear. Uh, from someone who is leading, um, you know, the tech stack side of things from popular event platforms such as Axel Events, I thought we might get some insights from you and see how that really contributes to the other side of the coin as well. Definitely, absolutely. Uh, let's just dive in and start from the very beginning. Um, I was seeing from your LinkedIn bio that you started out with uh, Windham Capital Management and through to Windham Labs for a total of about seven years. How did you then decide to get started with Axel Events, and you know what seems now like way back in 2015? Right, most of the firms in this space I know all seem to be pandemic incubated babies.
1: Yeah, so our story was a little bit different. I was working at a, you know, basically a hedge fund for mm-hmm. a number of years and and out of school, but along the way, I had a cousin who at the age of seventeen got diagnosed with cancer, and I wanted to do something for her. I had been kind of like throwing some, call them parties, uh, mm-hmm. in the past, and and you know realized I could draw a decent crowd, so I ended up. Renting out the aquarium in Boston, where I was living at the time, mm-hmm. and I hosted a, uh, a fundraiser. It was just over a thousand people to raise money for for Dana Farber Cancer Institute. And going into that, I was looking around for technology to help run the event, and everything out there was just either really hard to use or crazy expensive. Yeah. And I just figured like look, technology needs to be there to make life easier, not harder for event organizers. And I went down this path of like, let's figure this problem out. So I ended up building a solution to help with that first event. Got really good feedback from the attendees and from the organization that we put the event on for, and they started wanting to use it for other events. And I realized that I had something there. I could Mm -hmm. build a company around that. So I started doing that nights and weekends for a number of years. And uh, as we continued to do that, we then started to focus more heavily on Conferences, conferences, and mm-hmm. trade shows. So yeah. definitely moving more into that event marketing realm, mm-hmm. and um, you know things were picking up, and then all of a sudden the world shut down, and yeah. uh, we watched our revenue basically go to zero overnight, right. yep. which was um, you know as you can imagine, pretty demoralizing time. But mm-hmm. over that period, we had been moving towards this this hybrid model. So not all the way over to full virtual events, but. Recognizing that technology was going to play a bigger role in events, and that um, you know we needed to help facilitate that, so it made the transition to virtual events much easier for us during the pandemic, and that really solidified our positioning focused on those conferences and trade shows, particularly yeah. in the B two B space. Yeah,
0: that's really good to hear, Jonathan. It's good to hear that you know you managed to come out of that. You know, you're sort of doing well. I think you got the timing right of basically switching to a hybrid model, and you would have really had to push the levers to really grow the platform, the software, to a fully virtual uh, sort of model you know, through 20 and 21, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an exciting pivot, but we had the architecture to support it, so okay. we were able to move pretty quickly.
0: Great. Jonathan, let's just dive into the deep end, and I'm really curious. You know, We are now at a place where we see 250, 300 event platforms listed on yeah. G2.com. Uh, what do you make of this crowded market? You know, I haven't seen any consolidation yet, but we have been seeing some layoffs, right? Is this sustainable? And in an environment where the big guns like Zoom are really printing their guns on this market, what do you think is going to play out? What is going to happen?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, so, for context, we're recording this in the beginning of February of 2023. We've seen a couple of companies close their doors in the past few weeks. And, you know, as you mentioned, we've seen numerous layoffs, but there's a lot of companies that popped up because they saw things like the hop and fundraising announcements and they thought Mm -hmm. there was infinite money in this space. And, you know, obviously the, the market environment has changed. Yeah. They thought the environment, you know, the opportunity was there and that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing some consolidation today and we're starting to see the core players emerge. We're starting to see. Different companies really understanding their target market better than they had before. Instead of trying to be everything to everybody, um, right. which is good. It's it's good for the event organizers. It's good for the attendees. So, frankly, I'm yeah. I'm happy about that. You know, obviously not happy about the layoffs or yeah. or companies going out of business, but it does lead to a more competitive environment and ultimately yeah. a better outcome for the people that we're building for.
0: So, do you think ultimately, you know, we see um, uh, solutions which say, hey, you know, we're really uh, the best for associations. You know, we're the guys that you come to for trade shows. Uh, we're the guys for SaaS companies wanting to put on user conferences. Is that kind of you know specialization going to take place at some point?
1: That's exactly what we're seeing today. And you know, I'll say that specialization is not just in terms of like associations versus higher ed versus B two B, but it's also the size and scale of the events, and then yeah. the ability to facilitate. The breadth of the programming that an organization does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, yeah. uh, a thousand-person B two B company is doing everything from webinars to virtual events to uh, right. flagship or tentpole in-person events that might be mm-hmm. a couple thousand people. But along yeah. the way, they're also doing field marketing events where they're traveling mm-hmm. around the country or around the world. They're yeah. hosting what I call ecosystem events. So, you know, dinners and, and smaller events, cocktail events in the back of an event like a HubSpot inbound or Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Being able to facilitate all of that under one platform mm-hmm. is really what empowers B2B marketers because not only do you save a ton of time by integrating that tech stack, mm-hmm. but you also have access to this breadth of data and all of these other touch points on your audience. And in a world where third-party cookies are going away, that yeah. first-party data is immensely Valuable. Right.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you, Jonathan. And, you know, the next thing I really wanted to touch upon is, you know, one of the things I'm seeing is someone like Zoom making a whole bunch of third-party apps available to the users, you know, could be for taking notes, transcribing the Zoom call, etc. And I've felt for some time now that virtual event platforms have been lagging in this area, remaining like a walled garden, not integrating into other apps, or allowing developers to come in and build. I mean, do you have some thoughts or do you have a playbook for this at Excel Events?
1: Yeah. So, there aren't many event companies that really have a true app ecosystem built on top of them the way that, mm-hmm. that Zoom does. Yeah. But at the same time, what we hear from our customers is you know they're coming with us because they don't want that disjointed experience. They don't okay. want to have to get seven different tools through procurement. They don't want to have to figure out all those different integrations and the way things play together. Event mm-hmm. organizers and event marketers have enough on their plate as is the technology yeah. just needs to work and it needs to be there and it needs to get the job done and it needs to save right. them time. Right. And but trying I, to pull actually, all those solutions yeah. together doesn't do that.
0: That's a very interesting point of view. That's quite a contrarian point of view, I would say. You, know, you have guys like HubSpot on, on one end. Uh, you know, they're currently integrating into like a thousand other uh, apps.
1: Well, they are, but, yeah. but people love HubSpot because yeah. it has everything under one roof. Mm -hmm. Right. And it has one centralized object model that makes it so easy and simple to use. That is the entire appeal. If you're on Salesforce, you have to, you have to have a a 130,000 per year Salesforce engineer for every 10 sales reps. In HubSpot, the end user can do things themselves because the platform is so much easier to use. Right. Now, you might not have that edge case tool available to you, or if you do, you can tap the app marketplace for it. But the reality is you can get 90% of what you need to do done. And sometimes that other thing doesn't matter because at the end of the day, there's an opportunity cost with everything. Right. Sure. Uh,
0: Jonathan, let's continue chatting about the Axel Events platform a little bit. What are the features that you're currently proudest of that you think nobody else does better? And why in a nutshell should really an event organizer pick Axel Events over something else?
1: Yeah, so I mean it's, it's just a, right along the lines of our of our past conversation. Yeah. yeah, I look at us very similar to HubSpot in that realm that our customers they have all of those levers to pull and they can do all of that themselves. They have all of the power they need but without yeah. the complexity and that's what we do better than anybody else. We empower them to get their jobs done so that mm-hmm. they can focus on the bigger picture instead of the button clicking or the connecting tools together. Yeah. And then making sure that The core integrations, the data flowing to and from HubSpot, Marketo, Salesforce, Pardot, and so on—that that's all available to them. Yeah. So that they don't have to spend time figuring that out. And you know, again, that's what we do incredibly well. Is even more true in events where there's a lot of concurrent tracks Mm -hmm. of content going on. We had an event recently that had um, 1,600 sessions over the course of three days. Wow. So in those events, we do incredibly well. And that's, you know, not just the management from the admin side, but it's also the attendee experience with things like the mobile app and the virtual event platform.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, That makes sense. Uh, You know, let's just touch upon a controversial feature, uh, which for many, you know, you know, some people have thought it's been working. Some have been saying it's not working. And what I'm speaking about is networking, you know, virtual networking, right? Yeah. And what do you feel about the whole, you know, virtual networking is broken or doesn't work so well? Will we ever see something that comes close to, you know, the kind of serendipity or chance connections we make at in-person events, or just getting that pint, uh, you know, at a local uh, sort of bar with a familiar face?
1: What we're seeing is that the events that have the most success with virtual networking are mm-hmm. heavily structured. So things like a career fair, and not yeah. just a matching job seekers with employers. Mm-hmm. But doing so in certain verticals, mm-hmm. uh, so being more specific, you know, maybe it's software, maybe it's finance, maybe it's accounting, and making sure that those connections, those experiences, are very targeted. It isn't the serendipitous connections that you might make at a bar. That's really hard to replace in a virtual environment.
0: And from my own experience uh, with virtual events, Jonathan, you know, I've, I've seen that. Every time I've tried to use the virtual networking feature, you know, I reach out to someone, say hi, let's chat. And you know, it goes really well. I find that after the event is done, I still have to look that person up on say LinkedIn, you know, which is my primary roller desk, and then, you know, send out a connection request there. You know, so there is also that duplication of effort which is going on.
1: Yeah. And there's things that technology can do to make that easier. But just right. like, you know, if you meet somebody in person, and I'm thinking about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was traveling and I'm chatting with somebody in the airport. And uh, I connect with them on LinkedIn after Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that's how you stay in touch with somebody. Yeah. Right. Like the event platform, there was an idea for a while that an event platform was going to be a community platform as well, and that people Mm -hmm. were going to use that for continuous contact. Yeah. That can work. But when that works, it's because the event organizers are hosting a high frequency of events, not because the platform is just there, set up and left, and people are naturally coming back to it. You know, we see the data on that. People just, they're not coming back in that circumstance unless you're giving them a reason to, unless you're refacilitating that networking environment. You're bringing people back together to have a very targeted and specific conversation, but right. something that's passionate to them.
0: Yeah, makes sense. And uh, you know, I think since LinkedIn is making an events play themselves, uh, they're probably not going to be opening up you know, their API to platforms such as yours anytime soon to make that kind of connection more seamless and, and easier.
1: Yeah, that said, one of the things that we are hearing more and more today is people have a hesitation for you know, what I'll call a rented audience. So yeah. when, you're, when you're building your audience on LinkedIn or Twitter or anywhere else, at the end of the day, you don't own that audience. Correct. But when you're building it and you own that first-party data, mm-hmm. it's your audience. right? And, and that's where you know, what we're selling is not the audience itself. On LinkedIn, their product are the profiles on our product, on our platform, the product is the experience you're able to create, not the profiles of the people that are there because you're bringing those people.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a very powerful and a very important uh, statement that you just made. And on that note, Jonathan, let me ask you, what is really the number one thing you would tell your clients to improve or the number one mistake you see them uh, making while setting up their events?
1: I'd say the number one mistake I see is not taking the time upfront to explicitly outline, this is the goal of the event. This Mm -hmm. is who we're targeting, and this is how we're measuring success. And then getting buy-in from upper management on that definition of success. Too often, there are scenarios where management will come back and say, this wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. And that's just a feeling. Yeah. One of the things that event organizers and event marketers have really figured out over the past couple of years is how to take events from an art to a science. Right. And events not being this black box anymore. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you look at B2B spend in events, 25 to 27% of B2B marketing budgets, I mean, it's a massive chunk, right? It's a quarter of that marketing spend. Some, some reports say higher than that. Yeah, It has to be more scientific. It right. has to be something that can be explained, especially in an environment where marketing mm. budgets are on the chopping block.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with that, um, Jonathan leads us to you know, one of our tail ending questions, you know, which is really, tell me about a couple of the recent events that have stuck on in your mind, and you know what you think has been really great about these
1: uh, yeah, so um so Zapier is one they're a customer of ours. they mm-hmm. do uh, a couple of events, but one big product launch every year, and uh, we've worked with them for a few years now, but one of the things that impresses me the most about that event is the way that their community yeah comes to life around that event, and you know for the week of that event, you'll go on LinkedIn or Twitter. And just mm-hmm. see endless screenshots of our platform where the attendees are sharing these, frankly, life changing developments that Zapier is putting forward for their customers. Yeah. And the way that they create that social presence around that event experience is just, you know, it's, it's so powerful. It's the same thing Apple's done for a number of years. Um, yeah. Another example would be uh, Carnival Cruises, they did a four city mm-hmm. hybrid roadshow. Wow. And that event was for their travel agency partners. But what was really cool about it is they had I think it was around fifteen hundred, two thousand people mm-hmm. attending in person. But then they yep. had two to three times that participating virtually. And yep. the way again that they were able to communicate all this information and create essentially a hoorah around that experience, it just it becomes so powerful, and you really get to understand. Who in your audience is engaged? Who are your advocates? Who are the people that you can tap and rely on to be a spokesperson for your brand?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think shout out to these incredible event marketers uh, and event yeah. producers at uh, Zapier, Apple, Carnival Cruises. You know, Those are some incredible uh, success stories out there. Uh, Congrats, Jonathan. Uh, finally, Jonathan, you know that uh, you know we are the world's first review platform for B2B events. And our goal is to help event marketers further their brands through the power of social proof. And community marketing. What really does social proof mean to you? How important is that in your own arsenal? Uh, Do you make a conscious effort to see customer reviews for your own platform? And secondly, do you think something like this would benefit events as a whole?
1: I think social proof and community driven word of mouth and growth are the most important aspects of marketing. Mm -hmm. I also think that events are the best way to get the word out there. So I'm probably a little bit biased, but yeah I think that's incredibly necessary. We use testimonials throughout our process. We you know mm-hmm. push people to give us not push but ask them to give us reviews on on G2 and Captera and other sources yeah. and you know as far as it goes for events as well, that's more necessary than ever today. when you're fighting for budget, mm-hmm. fighting for an allocation to sponsor an event to attend an event, you need to know that it's going to be worth your time right your your reputation yeah. as as somebody within an organization who's asking for budget to go for so yep. that experience, you want to make sure that you're placing your bet in the right place. Yeah. So I think it's incredibly necessary. I think the industry is going to be better off for it. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, at the same time, there's events that are a waste of time, mm-hmm. and those those hurt the industry. Yeah. So we can also fix that process, that problem along the way.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with you, Jonathan, and that's exactly why we started Eventable. Is to try and solve all of these problems. Uh, we live in a review economy today, and you know I think what used to be uh, word of mouth earlier is an online review today, and there's uh, you know just a fact of life, right for everyone. Uh, well, Jonathan, thanks so much for really making the time, uh, sharing all of the insights with us today. It was great having you on here. Thanks a lot, and we hope to talk to you sometime soon.
1: Thanks for having me on. Thank you.